November 29th, 2022. This morning's class and the classes throughout the week are, do are donated in honor of Sarah Cohen, Stephen and Sophia Cohen, Albert and Marcel Shami, Gail Mishan, and in memory of Jack Mishan, Nathan and Marlene Cohen. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Pe Aleph Amud Aleph. If you count from the bottom of the Amud upward, it's 20 lines up. It's a few words before the end of the line. The Gemara, for our purposes, starts with the word Darash. Darash Rav Ahab Hanina. Now, if you recall, very briefly, because the context is not of utmost importance to us, but the Gemara had just finished being Doresh, these Pesukim in Sefi Yechezkel. Now, Pesukim, we're talking about a person who did wrong. Even if their father and mother raised them and reared them in the ways of Torah Mitzvot, even if their parents were Shomre Torah Mitzvot, if the child goes off, well, he will be punished according to his deeds, not based on, per se, the zechut of his parents. And in contrast, and this was really Yechezkel speaking to the people who were claiming to him, if you recall, uh, it's all predetermined. Uh, whatever family we were born into, whoever our parents are, well, that's going to be our fate in life as well. Says Yechezkel, in contrast, you can be born into a family, to a parent who's a rasha merusha, but you yourself can be altogether different, and you can, as a result, be zocheh, both hayim ba'olam hazer, hayim ba'olam habba. And as a result, the Gemara now, Darash Rav Ahab Hanina, he's going to focus not on the negative side of those pesukim, which again was purposed for us in this sugya to determine if a person violated more than one sin, each of which have different death penalties that you get the highest of those. But instead of focusing on that, let's focus on the more positive matters. It would have been nice if we ended the class yesterday with this. Our boat will begin today with this. My dikhti, what does it mean? Again, in contrast, where we have the positive things in the Pesukim, el heharim lo achal. Now, if you recall, this was, again, this is going to be almost a side-by-side -side parallel in contrast to the Pesukim that talked in the negative sense. And when we were talking about the person who does wrong because he eats in the mountains, it's not per se that he eats in the mountains. The Gemara explained for us, that's, or implied for us, that's Tikrovet Avodah Zarah. Their Avodah Zarah used to take place in the mountains. It's a person who partook in and celebrated with and benefited from Avodah Zarah. In contrast, you would imagine El Heharim Lo Achal as a reference to the fact that oh, the guy didn't do Avodah Zarah, uh, the Gemara is, or didn't uh, benefit from Tikrovet Avodah Zarah. The Gemara, as Rashi points out to us, uh, will not suffice with that. We're now talking about the pious person, about the person who goes above and beyond. I hate to break it to you, but just not worshipping Avodah Zarah is not above and beyond. As a result, in contrast to, well, the lowest you can go is Avodah Zarah, the highest you can go is not just you didn't do Avodah Zarah, the derasha as a result is going to take us even further, right? Do you follow? In other words, instead of directly paralleling or contrasting what we did in the person who did eat in the mountains, which was Avodah Zarah, person who didn't, we're talking about a person who rose above and beyond, who transcended. What's that a reference to? Shelo achal bizchut avotav. The mountains are not a reference to physical mountains. They're not even a reference to an inanimate object. They're rather a reference to Aram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, uh, the, uh, good, uh, the good deeds and merit of our forefathers. 
uh, people can and will sustain themselves in life based on birita avot, based on the fact that their forefathers had set forth with Borei with existence itself, with the source of existence, some sort of mission of truth and, and sustenance. Uh, this person in no way banked on that. This person achieved all that they achieved, he or she, through their own deeds without any zechut avot. That's above and beyond. I mean, sometimes you can bank on uh, the, the fortune that you were, that you were handed. Uh, sometimes you can uh, dig into that during times of need. The statement is, this is a person, when we envision the person who rose above all else, he didn't need zechut avot. Ve'inav lo nasa el gilule bet Yisrael. Again, that was a reference to the dung of Yisrael, which in the, in the negative sense was a person whose eyes were on avodah zarah. This time, just having your eyes off of avodah zarah, just not being engaged, that's not enough to envision for us to understand who is the optimal person, the person who has this midat hasidut, who not only doesn't benefit from zechut avot, but rather as well, shelo halach bekoma zekufa, it's a person who doesn't have the straight neck and back, which means to say they don't walk with an air of haughtiness and pride. The Gemara Masechet Kiddushin and Dafnamid Aleph says that there's an isur, there's an isur to walk for amot bekoma zekufa. Koma means your posture, zakuf means straight. A wise self, says the Gemara, because the Pasuk says, Melochola Ares Kevodo. A part the Pasuk says, HaKadosh Baruch whose presence is throughout. That you're walking like that, says the Gemara, it's as if you're Dohek Peneha Shechina, it's as if you're pushing aside the feet of the indwelling of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a vision, it's a perspective of self importance to the extent that God's not so significant to the extent further that the pasuk in the eyes of the rabbis is likening such a person to almost being if you are haughty in your posture in your approach to matters that probably is as, uh, as Maharsha and others point out, that probably is, is, is tapping into the Gemara and Masechet Sotan Davdalit. The Gemara over there has Kol Mishiesh Bo Gasut Ruach. Any person who has an air of haughtiness is almost as if they're a worshiper of Abu Dazara. Again, the concept being if I can't see outside of myself and I see myself as all that there is, I see a self, I have a self pride, a self importance which is false and wrong. I'm to a certain extent ignoring God's presence, God's uh, omnipresence in my life and the life of existence to the extent that, again, the reference in the Pasuk of, so to speak, he doesn't have his eyes to Avodah Zarah is likened to a person that has the opposite of haughtiness, a person who's able to have an appropriate shval ruach, an appropriate uh, um, uh, self-understanding of of, of not being overly important, of not being a self uh, dignified and komaze uh, kufa. Sure, it's not. To, no, not per se. Well, I mean, listen. There is a literal side to it. We're not supposed to walk too pridefully. At the same time, we're not supposed to slouch down in the physical sense. It's more a general perception which can be painted in the easiest ways. You see that guy? You see how he stands? That guy's full of himself. Know, that's the description of it. It's in Shulchan Aruch in Siman Bet. Shulchan Aruch in Siman Bet says there's an Isur to be the Koma The interesting thing is, Shulchan Aruch doesn't even mention, to the best of my memory, the Lashon of the Gemara, the walking of four Amot, the six feet walk. It's at all. You're not allowed to be the Koma Again, it's not per se that I stand like this. It's more, it's more, it's more who I believe I am. It's more 
who I portray myself as being. You know, in contrast, the Gemara right there in Kiddushin and Shohan Aruch in Siman Bet says that wearing a head covering, says the Gemara, has an ability for us to imbue ourselves with that vision of that I have. Uh, is it per se that when you wear a kippah, you're God-fearing and you feel God's presence? Not per se in the physical sense, but it has a, uh, a, a capability for you. Yeah, that's not a command, it's a description in the Gemara. As a matter of fact, in Shulchan Aruch and Siman Bet, Maran Hachida points this out, that there's not the same, it's even the Gemara, it's not the same wording. Whereas when it comes to Komaz Zikufah, it's an Isur. When it comes to uh, having a Rosh Galui, it's not an Isur. It's, it's ideal, it's ideal to have your head covered as the Gemara. It's Midat Hasidut beyond this. This we're talking about the Lashon of Isur. But yeah, that's, that is one of the primary Gemarot with regards to the significance of it. And Shulchan Aruch says the Gemara onward, the Pasuk there in Yechazkel goes further with regards to describing this person who has merit, this person who's acting properly, above and beyond, Again, the simple reading is, that's referring to the fact that he's not involved in, uh, in adulterous activity, right? That was what it meant on the negative end, the person who's involved in it, okay? So that's, oh, it's gotta be more than that. Just leave, keeping your hands to yourself, just keeping your mind and body to yourself, as opposed to your, your friends or so, anyone else's wife. That's not to the extent that you're so meritorious. We want to speak beyond that. The vision of a wife in the Torah, certainly and so forth, is an understanding of someone else's domain, someone else's, not, I don't want to say the word property, but you can only, almost envision, it's not at all to be taken in the literal sense as property, but it's domain, it's another person's involvement, it's their relationship which is sacred and distinct to themselves and you're entering into that it's that for that reason that the Gemara envisions it as the person's umanut umanut means craftsmanship means their business so if you're opening the business you see the halakha is if you come from outside of the city and you try to put up a business on the same block for example or in a close proximity to another business there's an isur in that that's that's masig givu however if you live in the same neighborhood and you're building your business parallel to theirs that's permitted the statement over here and the Gemara is above and beyond what's permitted is what's ideal. An ideal approach is that you're not yored l'umanut havero. Forget about their wife. Of course you're not near their wife. But even their craftsmanship, even their other domains in the physical sense. Now we're actually talking about property. You kept away from that as well. You gave the person their appropriate space to grow and, and sustain themselves. Got out of that. That's ideal. Ve'el eshet nida. And then the Pasuk describes and to a wife whose nida, you didn't come close. And again, in the simple sense, it means you didn't have relations, you didn't indulge yourself in inappropriate relations with a wife, with a woman who's a nida. It can't be just that. That's an isur karet. That person didn't get benefit from a davar migunez, lashon of Rashi and Yad Rama. Nida. Yes, we'll refer to it as a woman during the time of her menstrual period. But beyond that, the word nida, the vision is, is something that's inappropriate, something that's off bounds. And as a result, not that tzedakah is off bounds, but it's inappropriate for a person who has a certain dignity to be um, uh, indulging and, and enjoying the kupashel tzedakah, the, uh, the community alms and, and, and charity 
Um, in fact, Yad Rama cites Pasuk in Echa, the beginning of Echa, where the description is that Yerushalayim is now Nida. Yerushalayim does not have a menstrual period, and Yerushalayim is not a woman at all. The idea being that it's Migune, it's disgusting, it's terrible, Uchtiv, and then the Pasuk describes all of these. If a person were to perform this, what's the, so to speak, reward? What's the consequence? Sadiq, who, that's a righteous person, concludes the uh, statement over here for us, Hayo Yehye, he shall surely live. But beyond he shall surely live, as Mahasha points out, the double lashon of Hayo Yehye is Hayim both Ba'olam Hazeh and Ba'olam Haba. The description then is a person who has merited above and beyond just standard and uh, appropriate activity and engagement in Torah Mitzvot. This person who lives by Midat Hasidut, by a certain character of piety uh, that transcends all else. Says, It was the flip side of the same Pesukim in Yechezkel that we were dealing with yesterday. We were dealing with yesterday the Pesukim in Yechezkel, which talked about the person who transgresses pretty much all of these. And the Pasuk over there, if you recall, the understanding was that person gets Sikila. So the description was, even if you're over Sikila, Sikila, Henek, and Hedeg, you're just getting Sikila. All right, so leave that on the side for a moment. Now says the Gemara, but what about the rest of the Pesukim? Let's understand where they talked about the person who does right, and that's a dirasha about them. Now the question is, in the next few lines in the Gemara, does it mean that the Hayo Yehyeh, so to speak, the good life in this world, the appropriate life in the world to come, is only a person who performs all of this? Uh, that's high standards. I mean, I'd like to say we're all a part of uh, a mission to transcend, to go above and beyond just Shemirat Torah Mitzvot. But that's the only way to achieve it, says the Gemara. When Ban Gamliel would get up to this Pasuk in his study, perhaps in his teaching, in Sefer Hiskel, he would cry, his eyes would fill with tears, and he'd start crying a little bit. What are you crying about? Look, about? look at the vision, look at what you can achieve. And he said, It's only a person who fulfills kulhu, all of these things. Every single one of them, lo yarad le'umanut havero, lo halach bekoma zekufa, and so forth. Any lo nehene mikupa shel sedaka, lo achal bizchut avot. Only when you have all four, only when you have every single. That's a person who gets this appropriate and optimal life. But it's navi cheskel. Nevuah is only l'sha'a and cheskel. Just one, it's, it wouldn't be, uh, you, you wouldn't achieve it. And Rabban Gamliel, that caused him a bit of depression. My friend, my, my colleague, you're misunderstanding the Pasuk. It's not that you need all of them, it's that even one of them will bring Hayo Yahya. Let me compare this to the parasha and the Torah that describes all the Isure Arayot. The Torah describes all of the forbidden relations and then concludes to a certain extent, Al Don't contaminate yourself with all of these. Let's pause for a second and understand what Borei Olam in the Torah is teaching. Does that mean the only time you get Tum'ah, the only time you've contaminated is if you did all of them? Are you okay? I mean, that means you could just pick and choose which illicit, wrongful relations, and that's not Tum'ah. That's not the way of the Goyim, as the Pasuk says, which I'm sending out of the land, instead of you, that you'd be okay if you just chose a few of them and you didn't do the whole long list? 
Ela, rather, we're all aware, of course, when the Pasuk says, it means if you just did one of them, you achieved and you delved into Tumah. So too, in the positive side of this Pasuk with Yehezkel, even though the Pasuk, in maybe its most simple sense, seems to be saying, all of them, if you've just even achieved in your own life a, a, a source, an approach of piety, of midat hasidut, uh, one of these, and maybe one of uh, these among others, that's a hayo existence. All right, continues the Gemara onward. If you recall the end of our Mishnah, back to, uh, back to uh, the, the gruesome, the blood and the, uh, and the gory uh, in our Mishnayot. If you recall, the Mishnah was talking about if a person transgressed, violated one isur, one violation, but it comes with it, two punishments. Now the Mishnah made very clear for us, Nidon Bahamura, you get the more severe of those punishments. What was the example we gave in the Mishnah, even Rashi gave it to us? It's a person who has uh, illicit wrongful relations with his mother-in-law, in such a circumstance who's married. Mother-in-law is married, well there's two Isurim in one action, two death penalties in one action. Number one, she's Eshet Ish, she's a married woman, that's Henek, that's strangulation. Beyond that, if a person would have a terrible activity of su- as such, uh, the mother-in-law, mother-in-law, we already spent several, such, several sugyot and time and energy on the fact that that's hisur and herig uh, and, and mitat betin of serefa. So there's two death penalties. What's the ultimate uh, decree? What do we do to this person? Hamura. We give them the more severe. But then the Mishnah mentioned these words of Rabbi Yoseh, which I mentioned to you at the time, are somewhat mysterious. Rabbi Yoseh said, it's, you know, you could go back, it's about eight lines from the top of the Amud. Rabbi Yoseh omer, nidon bizika harishona sheba'a alav. Rabbi Yoseh's words are, your nidon, the judgment is, based on the first zika. Zika is a word many people know from Masechet Yevamot. It really means connection. In this context, it means a connection of Isur. The first problematic Isur, well, that's the one that you're going to be judged by. Uh, what did that mean? Uh, there's two punishments. We said the Hamura. You're telling me the first? Well, the Gemara will help us a bit with understanding this and teasing it out. Tanya says the Gemara here, Kesa, Tanya means a beraita. Kesa damar biyose niton bezikari shona. In what context, under what circumstances and situations did Rebiyose talk about this first Isur? That's the deen. That says the Gemara, here it is. For example, Haba'a al-av, excuse me, Nidon bezikari shona haba'a al-av, excuse me, bezikari shona haba'a al-av. Under what circumstances did he say you get the first Isur which comes upon you? Hamotov na'aset eshet ish. Or if it's a mother-in-law who's an almana, it's a mother-in-law who's widowed, it's a mother-in-law who's not married. And a person, in turn, after she gets remarried, has relations with her. Now let's understand this circumstance. What was at the time that, well, let's talk about first stage. First stage of this woman is, she's hamoto, she's his mother-in-law. His mother-in-law is Azur. She's not eshetish, she's not married, she's almana. Maybe even got married when she was almana. And then she gets married to another man. On such a circumstance, we can very much, even though your action took place under the context, in the context of two Isurim at once, in terms of this woman's life, there was one Isur, um, in terms of your relationship with her, she's Hamoto, she's mother-in-law, and only afterwards is she an Eshet Isha as well. Why are you bringing that up? Why is the Gemara bringing that up? Because we're dealing with the opinion of Rabbi Yosef. But, but we have to deal with what he did when he did it. Understood. Now, Rabbi Yosef's understanding is... Just reversing the 
since you're not going to be punished and killed twice, we're going to look at the circumstance and try to understand how do we first characterize this woman with regards to her relationship with you. There's both there. There's both there when he did the act. Well, I want to decide how to kill you. No, I I want to decide how to kill this person. I have one of two options. How am I going to determine it? Because Rabiyo says, you need to choose one punishment, one death penalty for this person. How are you choosing that? Both were in place. But in terms of the Isur, in terms of its development with regards to this woman, they developed from just being Hamoto to being Hamoto, who's also an Eshetish. Says Rabbi Yoseh, I need to decide on a punishment. Say the Hachamim, uh, just go based on the more severe one. Got it. Says Rabbi Yoseh, I don't know that you just decide on the more severe one. Look at the woman, look at the relationship vis-a-vis this person. Vis-a-vis this person, she started as Hamoto. She then elevated her status or went beyond that in terms of her relationship and forbidden relationship with this man to also Eshetish. That's Rabbi Yoseh's opinion. Nidon. We'll have to figure that out. Nidon. Bahamoto. The answer is, it's a principle that the Gemara derives in Masechet Yevamot and Afsamech Gimal and that area. It's called En Isur Hal Al Isur, which means to say if there's a single Isur which is already residing over and in the situation of something, there isn't another Isur with regards to punishment that's placed upon it. Do you follow? So again, since there was one Isur, says Rabbi Yose, not that she's not forbidden with two headings of Eshetish and Hamoto, but with regards to punishment, the principle is en Isur hala al Isur. If he's divorced, well, okay, that's, uh, that's you know, get my daughter with that with her. If he gets divorced, yeah. then she might not be, yeah, but, right, you know. She is Eshetish during the time of relations. Oh, so she's Right. But she started as Hamoto. It means that that's the Isur and punishment which is with regards to their relationship. You don't pile on top another Isur with punishment once there's an initial one. The first one is the one that sets in. So that's the halakha. Says again, the Gemara Tanya, Ketzad Amar Biyose Nidon Bazika Rishona Haba'a Alav Question mark Hamoto V'Naaset Eshet Ish Nidon B'Hamoto. What about if it was Eshet Ish V'Naaset Hamoto? What about on the flip side? She was already a married woman. She's a married woman, and then he gets married to her daughter, which means to say his relationship vis-a-vis her began with the fact that she's Eshetish. Only afterwards is she his mother-in-law. Not that she began as his mother-in-law and then she got married. What's the halakha in such a circumstance? What's that? Yeah, so what's the halakha? In such a circumstance, she gets treated as You told me, or we understood in Rabbi Yosef, Hamoto, if she was Hamoto, which was an Almana, she was a widowed woman, and she afterwards gets married, Nidon Bahamoto, 
the way the person would get punished is based on the initial punishment, the initial status of this woman, which is his mother-in-law. Shouldn't he as well get the punishment, as everyone's exclaiming? Because after all, even in the domain of this concept, which we're throwing around of en isur halal isur, this concept of one isur doesn't reside above, doesn't get topped on top, put on top of another isur with regards to punishment. Don't we have the statement? There is a concept, however, that when it's an isur mosif, isur mosif means that with regards to the breadth of the isur, if it now expands, we will in turn include it as part of the punishment. How did it expand over here? She began as hamoto. Who was she forbidden to? She was not married. She was forbidden only to this man, this son-in-law. Now that she got married, she was Mosif. She's now Asura Haolam to everyone except for her husband. That's what we call a Yisur Mosif. In turn, the question to Rava that's being posed by Rava Dabar Ahava is, why did you claim that it's only Hamoto, according to the Biosef? It's Hamoto, the Hakach Niset, if it's his mother-in-law, and afterwards she gets married and becomes Eshetish. This is what we call a Yisur Mosif. Yisur Mosif is the exception to the rule. Amar he responds, Adab Beri, Adab my son, bitre katle kataltale. Wait a second. What's your? What, what do you want over here? You want an isur on isur. Got it. And she is hamoto, his mother-in-law, which is the punishment of serefa. I'm going to admit to you. I got it. Even according to the opinion that says you don't put on top of one existing isur another isur. But if it's an isur mosif, if it expands the breadth and the, uh, the 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 subjectivity of this isur in such a circumstance, you would. So then, what are we going to do? We're going to burn this person to death, lo alenu, and then strangle them. Oh, we don't do such a thing. We kill them once and not twice. We're going to kill them once. Why don't we just go with Hamura? This is the wrong example. Why is this the wrong example? Because this one, the first one is Serefa, which is the Hamura. So as a result, that's really the response. That's the way we were going to end up anyway. Uh, really, in the flip side, which won't be an Isu Mosif, would have been your question. If it started as Hanek and went up to Serefa, so but if it's but but in such a circumstance that's not Mosif, because Hanek was Asura Lekola Olam. She was Eshiti, she was Asura to everyone. By becoming Hamoto, they're not expanding it, they're just uh, furthering it with regards to her son in law. Tosafot, however, does point out here on Amud Aleph. This Tosafot Lidon Namebi Isura de Eshetish. So the question is a little bit more uh, intricate because it goes as follows. What about if, again, and I know you're all going to kill me for this, what if these uh, the, the relations are Bishogig? I know, I know who's going to do it, I don't know. Okay, Bishogig, let's in theory accept that there could be these Isur Bishogig. Now, Isurim Bishogig don't come with a death penalty. What they do come with is Korbanot. You have to bring a Korban Hatat. Well, what's going to be the status of this woman under this circumstance where she started as Hamoto and then became Eshetish? How many korbanot are you going to bring? Any sur halali sur, you're going to tell me you don't have a punishment topped on top, put on top of another punishment. It should only be one korban. The claim is, however, if it started as Hamoto and then become became Eshetish, if it started as mother-in-law and then became forbidden to everyone, you should have 
to korbanot, and indeed that would stand even according to the Biyose. Okay, a little bit easier continues Tosafot. Maybe not Beshogeg. Maybe there was only a warning issued for one of the violations. This woman, after all, is not only his mother-in-law, but she's also a married woman. The person's walking by, and I don't even want to paint the scene, but I have to just for purposes of understanding it. The person walks by and sees the relations. Now, he doesn't realize this is the son-in-law. What he does know is that's a married woman. So he screams out loud, and he says to the person, do you understand what you're in the midst of doing or what you're about to do? You're about to have relations with a married woman. In such a circumstance, he got a warning only for Eshetish. Now, you told me, really, but she's also uh, she's also his mother-in-law. Maybe in such a circumstance, you're not going to punish it in such a way. What's the halacha going to be? Now, that's the point, says Tosafot, that's really being challenged of Rava. Rava Dabar Ahava is turning to Rava and saying to him, what about in the non-death penalty circumstances? Over there, Rabbi Yosef would agree, he would maintain that we don't say in Isur Halal Isur, that once she's his mother-in-law, she means she's his mother-in-law and only his mother-in-law with regards to violation and punishment. Because those two circumstances, we would say that even though there was only a warning on her being Eshetish, she would be put to death for Eshetish. And in terms of Korbanot, you would have two Korbanot. The response then of Ravai is, I agree with you. But our Mishnah is talking about a case where it was b'mezid and with a warning for both. And as a result, in our Mishnah, Rabbi Yosef will tell you, you only get serifa, a person who did such a deed, only gets serifa. But that's the point of Tosafot with regards to understanding conceptually the significance of this conversation about any sur halal isur and isur mosif, the expansive vision of this isur. Okay, well, that being the case, I would like to say it gets a little bit lighter in terms of uh, conversation, but in my mind it gets more gruesome even though we're not directly putting to death in this next Mishnah. This next Mishnah brings us back to the conversation which we kind of addressed earlier about a daf and a half ago, and that was this concept known as kippah. Remember kippah? Kippah, not the kippot that we wear, but kippah kind of like a dome. And the idea being that under some circumstances, a person is confined in an area, in that dome-like area, to the extent that they can't really move, we'll find out, and we feed them food that will bring to their state of being where they're going to die. It's not direct, it's not one of the four mitot betin, it's not one of the four mitot betin, but that is the situation. So now we're going to, over the course of the next two Mishnayot, talk a bit about this kippah, again, how it was done and under what circumstances. Says the Mishnah, Mishelaka Vishana. If a person violated a sin which got them malkot, they got 39 lashes, and then they were shana, and then they did the sin again and got malkot again. So I, let's, let's say for now, same sin. That, that will become clear. You're supposed to not know that yet, but we'll tell you now. Did the same sin again, and they get 39 lashes for the same sin. And then, even though this is not explicit in the Mishnah, they do the same sin a third time. Again, with the warning and all the requisite steps. Well, what's the halacha in such a circumstance? Uh, says the Mishnah, Betin machnisin oto lekipah, so the betin enters him into this solitary, confined area where he can't really move, certainly can't lie down, we'll find out. We feed him barley. 
And the Gemara will tell us later on, it starts with a diet which makes this even more difficult. It's not just barley. You started with minuscule amounts of food, and then you kind of piled it on with the barley food to the extent that, based on his digestive, based on anyone's digestive system, it will bring to a, a state in being in which kereso mitbakat, mitbakat, like bekiat yamsuf, his, his stomach will rupture. That's right, an indirect death sentence. Oh, wait a second, the Gemara... I understand your question. The Gemara will wonder the same thing. Yes, Mars. I said very carefully. The Mishnah is not explicit about this. Oh. We're going to intuit. Uh, the Gemara will intuit this. Uh, you're 100 percent correct. I, I will tell you how I know it already. If if I were just learning this with you, Heke, without knowing the Gemara beforehand, uh, I'll admit I, I I studied the Gemara beforehand. But I would see that already in Rashi, sensitive reading of Rashi, who's already obviously learned the Gemara as well. Mishilaka veshana says Rashi. It means there was laka veshana. The veshana, the double, is that he sinned and got punished again, and then he's doing it again. Anyway, that, that's what we'll see in our Gemara. Uh, but that's uh, the question of Charlie remains. The question of Charlie remains. Uh, one second. The guy's Hayav Malkot because he did it three times, putting him to death. Now, I know it's indirect, but really? I mean, Torah told you when you put someone to death. Uh, to what, what, what authority, but beyond authority, what logic? I'll talk first about authority, even though I'm getting ahead of myself. The Gemara will, we won't see it today, obviously. The Gemara will look for a remez. We'll look for some sort of hint in the Pesukim for this, uh, this concept of kippah. Rashi, in his commentary to the Gemara, you can see it already from now. It's okay to do so now. In the third wide line, Rashi... It's all the way down at the bottom, the third wide line of Rashi. It's Vehechare Miza, says Rashi, the next words, Vadai Halachal Moshe Misinaihi. Those, you see those words? This is certainly a tradition of what was received to Moshe at Har Sinai. In other words, the concept of kippah, the mode and method of putting a person to death through kippah, through putting them into it and giving them those foods and so forth, is halakha Moshe Sinai. We have a tradition all the way from Sinai. This was from God to Moshe. That's how we're accepting this in terms of tradition. Ran Rabbeinu Nisim Gironi, in his commentary to our Gemara, teases out the possibility, he knocks it down, that maybe this is in line with what we saw earlier in the Masih. Maybe on Daf Mem Vav, the Gemara over there was talking about how Bedin has the ability to punish when they see Shasha Anitzrechet. There are times, there were circumstances, when Jeffrey's here, he likes to remind us of the witch, uh, the witch, uh, uh, the, well, not, not Salem in the Gemara, but yeah, similar to that. Shimon ben Shatah was dealing with sorcery witch-like people and put them to death, and the Gemara was clear. What's that? This circumstance, that's right. That's that's certainly so. Uh, I, I gotcha. And, and, and you're right. I'm mean, talking about almost like a hazaka. You're right. But in terms of, so maybe says Ran, the, the authority is to the hachamim. The Beitin has the authority to put to death under circumstance. Says uh, Ran, he says, I don't think that could be the interpretation to kippah because that's with regards to a circumstance where we see, based on this situation, look at how the nation's going. They're getting involved in witch, witches and things of that sort. That's when we'll put to death. This is not a general statement. Kippah is a general approach. All right, so that happens to be a conversation with regards to authority. But what's the logic? Ask the Gemara, Mishum, four lines from the top of the page, Mishum de la Kavishana betin consino to the Kippah? Question mark, that's it. The Gemara doesn't exist. Because he sinned, and sinned again, 
Sinned again, I added, because the Gemara will make clear for us, Mars, uh, that's, that's why you put him to pretty much to an indirect death. Come on, why is that fair? Why does that make sense? What's the underlying logic? Not authority. The suggestion here of Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish goes as follows. When we're talking about this repeated transgression, it's not any malkot, it's not any situation where he just was over in Yisurlav, not that any of those are okay, but we're talking about the more severe circumstances, situations where there's a hiyuv karet. Karet means being cut off. The Gemara Masech and Moed Katan and Tavkafhet says, what does karet mean? It means you get a shorter life Generally speaking, we imagine in this world and in Olam Haba to some extent. Again, this is in the domain of God, but this is Mitabi Deshamayim to a certain extent. What sort of sins get cut it? It's also very interesting and never easy to figure out exactly how and what uh, God has in mind, but eating on Kippur comes with a karet, um, uh, uh, eating Halev comes with karet. Say it again. Hametz on Pesach comes with karet. So there's many of these severe circumstances. Karet. Now, under those circumstances, there is an appropriate gesture from Betin, the Gemaran Makot is Doresh, this, that you give Malkot under those circumstances. So God's going to play his role with regards to karet. And then there's a debate if the Malkot kind of exonerates you from karet or not. Now, that being the case, you're not dealing with Heke, he just did anything. Uh, not, not that anything prohibited is okay, but we're not dealing with the lighter, lower level transgressions. We're dealing with the transgressions which are punishable by God. And what happened? He did it. And he did it again. And he did it again, says the Gemara. I'll tell you what the situation says, Rabbi Shimon. Gavra Barkitalahu. It's a person who's Barkitalahu, who's deemed appropriate to be put to death. Kitalahu, of course, means putting to death, killing. It's just that in terms in terms of coming close, coming quickly, his death is not coming. It's coming. This guy's a dead man walking. What's that? Both, but by the hands of God. That's what the Gemara in Moed Katan Dafkav Chet. But aha, so it's just not close. He, by com- committing this sin again and again and again, he's showing you, ah, my soul is not connected to this any longer. Therefore, Therefore, the Beit Din says, listen, you are literally giving up your soul for death. Uh, it's, 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 it's far and gone. It's, it's not coming so quickly. Uh, we're going to move in now. Uh, you have made clear that you're not just violating. You're not just indulging. You're, not, you're doing something uh, repeatedly that makes clear to us that your soul is insignificant. Let me just re- uh, finish this. Suggests and explains Rabbi Yaakov to Rabbi Yirmiyabar Tahlifa. Ta means come, Asberalach. I'll explain to you when we're dealing with a repeated, this was the point that Jesse, I was talking with you about in the Mishnah. When it's a repeated transgression, we say the guy is giving up his soul. If it's different sins, he did Hametz today and he did Kippur tomorrow and he did Halev uh, uh, the next day. Over there, we assume he's just trying to get a potpourri of indulgence and uh, tasting all these sins. We don't say the person has willingly given up their life to the extent that we wouldn't 
be machnis otolikipa, which means that the explanation of our Mishnah is several fold. Number one, we're talking about repeated transgressions with Malkot. We'll talk about that in the continued Gemara, um, specifically in the context of an Isur which comes liable with Karet. And lastly, that it's repeated offenses in the same sin. Baruch